Listen, I know I'm going to add to the announcements just real quickly. I do want to, I don't think we made a screen for this, but I'm on the group uh, message. But the men's ministry is going to have a breakfast next Saturday. So six days from, to, from today, six days from today here at First Assembly at what time, Barrett? Nine o'clock. And I may be the gravy maker. That way we're going to see. That's what, you know, it's worth standing in line for. I'll just tell you that. Um, number two, um, with that said, um, Young at Heart, uh, again, real quickly. So I'll be Chef Lee this week as well on Tuesday night. And uh, so I'll be running the grill back there. So I want to, even though I am not an official member of Young at Heart, just by the way, I'm still the youth pastor. I'm still the youth pastor. At least until the following Tuesday, because Young at Heart will be 55 and older. And a week from Tuesday. That's where I'll cross. So I'll be an official member on that day. Um, let's see. I do want to say one last thing about the trail life just real quickly because that was probably our major announcement here today. Uh, that's, not, that's something that's new to many of you, but that is not new to a group of guys from our church family that have been planning, dreaming, pondering uh, for months now, for months, that they have come together. Uh, they really wanted to see this thing happen um, number one, let me just throw out this just real quickly. It happened, Trail Life happened as a result of uh, what happened with the Boy Scouts, to be honest, kind of going into uh, uh, not being able to identify who a boy or a girl is. And uh, they, these men, Christian men, came together and said, we believe we need to have a, a fraternity of young boys that can learn to be men. And so that's how it came about. Our church is the sponsor for it. Now, it is open to people of all denominations. There's a certain criteria they have to meet that they have to sign off, but it is not like that, you know, they're, they're choosing to meet on not on Wednesday nights. That's nothing that's going to conflict with our existing service schedule so that other churches, so it is open for other churches, but they're, they're kind of not, they're, they're not passing that information around a lot. They are, but they, they want to get a little bit of traction, you know, first, because we, they really believe, and I believe this thing's going to blow up in a good way, in a good way, as word gets out and as they uh, come together. So you can at any time, if you ever just said, I want to make a contribution, our church stepped forward and has made these initial costs and are really trying to limit what it's going to cost this, this, a student this first year until time for fundraisers and such. You can always write a check or, and, and say, hey, I want this to go to Trail Life, and I can promise you every penny of it will go to Trail Life. So undergirded in prayer, I appreciate the ladies that are going to meet on that Thursday, and they're going to be undergirding it in prayer, and we're going to just trust that it's going to be a dynamic thing in our community. Amen? Listen, I want to ask you to do uh, something for me real quickly is uh, to pray for me today. I have a funeral service at 2 p.m., and uh, it is a graveside-only service, and it is my aunt who passed away uh, this past week. And uh, anytime you have an opportunity where your family is gathered uh, like that, you know, I want to, to minister the word to them and yet stay balanced at the same time, too. So just around 2 o'clock, if you can, just remember... Pastor Brown in prayer, and let's just pray that the Lord's uh, grace would be upon that, that small gathering. Come on. Amen. And maybe there might be a family member of mine today that the Holy Spirit could reach. And that's my prayer today, and I want that to be your prayer. Amen. So listen, I'm so grateful that you're here today. If, you didn't, if you're a visitor and you didn't fill a visitor card out, I want to encourage you to do so. There should be one in the seat in front of you. Uh, fill it out, and there's at the table in the foyer, there'll be somebody there at the end of the service, and you can make sure that you drop that off, and they'll answer any questions that you have. And lastly, in that context, I appreciate Alicia putting together for Dr. Brassfield and Sister Kathy, and I do want to concur. What happens often with our sign-up sheets is after the amazing sermon that you hear, you forget about that sign-up sheet when you leave, and I don't want you to do that today because Dr. Brassfield and Sister Kathy mean so much to our church family, to me and Sherry personally. And we do want to honor them and help them uh, during this next probably up to two weeks as Sister Kathy is kind of getting her legs back under her. And I know they appreciate your prayers. They do. Uh, and, and so just continue to remember her in prayer uh, as, she, uh, as she recovers. Come on, somebody. Amen. Would you stand up with me today? We're going to turn and we're going to read the entirety of one verse of Scripture. 
How about that one? If you were here last week, you know that I commenced a new, I don't want to say sermon series, but I, I, it is in essence, but it's more than that. It's, uh, you can get a sermon series off of the internet under sermon.com, and uh, I'm not in pursuit of that sermon series. I'm in pursuit of a radical work of grace in my heart and life in the context of faith. I made a statement to you last week that I said, I think that we have, and I know that I have personally camped in the camp of unbelief long enough, and I'm ready to move the camp. Come on, somebody. And uh, to trust that the Lord is directing our paths. I want to be a person of faith. If, 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 if at some point in time there's a headstone at Magnus with my name on it, I, I hope that somehow or another it can say that this was a man of faith. I hope that's something in your heart and life that you have a desire within you to be a man or a woman of faith. So let's read this verse of Scripture that's creating the context for us today. And the, service, uh, the sermon title is here revealed, but then again, that's the series title. I'm going to save the sermon title for a little bit later. The eighth verse this of Paul's writing says, but what saith it? It's Romans chapter number 10. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you that. Romans chapter number 10, I'm going to wait on you. Verse number 8. I know it's on the screen, but I still love to hear those pages turn. I mean, unless you're back there looking through Malachi right now, you know, then you're, you're missing it. But we'll wait on you to find it. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 8 says, but what saith it? Why don't you read it slowly with me? The word is nigh thee, it's near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I hope and pray that as I minister the word to you each week, that when you hear it with listening ears, that to you it will become the word of faith. Now, you'll help me today if you say amen a little bit more on time and with a little bit more excitement, all right? And uh, actually, I determined, if there's one thing I determined to do for today's message in contrast to last week, I was so excited to commence and to begin this series that I, I preached a long time, and I, I purposely, purposely drew back to make sure that I don't do that. I know you don't believe a word that I'm saying right now, but I'm going to promise to do my very, very best because this is a journey. This is not a one-time a moment for us. This is, this is a moment where we say, you know what, this is the word of faith. It's going to be in my heart and it's in my mouth, and it's the way that I'm going to live. Come on, somebody. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I feel honored to be here. I feel honored to be amongst the people of God, to see and to hear them worship. Father God, to, to know that out of the expression of their heart, they brought glory to the living God. I pray today, Father, in the name of Jesus, that the men and women that are here, God, today, their ears would be open to the word of faith, God. I pray, Lord, today, there's been anointings on this platform as men and women have encouraged us and exhorted us in the word of God. But even now, I pray for that same anointing, God. I pray for a fresh breath, conviction in our heart, Father. Let preaching come easy in this house. Come on, somebody. Let preaching come easy, God, and let our hearts be receptive to what you want to do within us. For the word of faith is first in our heart, and then it's in our mouth, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. Come on, somebody. Amen and amen. I appreciate so much you being in service with us today. I do want to say one last thing. It was good to have Shane and his family, JoJo and his family, both back from tanned faces um, from the beach, and uh, we're just glad to have our church family here together. Amen, and our worship team, and we appreciate all that they do. So last week, just for a moment of time, if you allow me to go back, I think it's always important that I remind you of where we were at, where we concluded. Um, this has been in my heart for some time. I've kind of put it on the back burner, and that was to challenge something, even if it's not in you. I hope it's in you, but I can promise you it's in me. And that is, any capacity within my heart to harbor unbelief, to hold to unbelief in my heart or in my mind, I want to confront it by the Word of God. And I want to be courageous enough in the Spirit to identify it for what it is, if it's unbelief, and then to pull it down as a stronghold, and then to build or to layer or to place inside of my heart the Word of faith, right? That it might alter who I am. And so, we went last week, and, and, and I defined faith for you for just a moment. I made a statement. I said, I don't necessarily know that you can define 
faith with just a couple of words of definition. We know what the scripture says, Hebrews 11 and 1, where it speaks about faith is the substance of the things that are hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are unseen. Right? In essence, you say, I hope for something, but the Bible says you don't hope for something that you possess, but how do we have evidence of that hope? That evidence is your faith, your faith, and that is reflected in how you live, how you speak. And so it commences in your heart, and it is expressed through your mouth, and then also through how you live. I shared with you also a passage of Scripture that I think actually just in a brief narrative if you look closely enough at it, I think it will help define what faith is. It was in the life of Abraham. Here's what it said about Abraham. It said, he was not weak in faith, and he considered not his own body. If you'll think about that, this is in context to him producing seed through his wife Sarah when he was aged and she was aged as well. It said, he did not consider his own body. He looked past the natural. Faith will look past the natural to the supernatural. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, listen to this, he staggered not at the promises of God. The promises of God are amazing. They're amazing, and they're heavy at times. They're so contrary to the natural world in which we live. It's easy in the natural to stagger at them. But Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. But listen to what he was. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Giving glory to God, listen, and being fully persuaded. I think that's a caption of what faith really is. Are you fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform? I think for just, if you will, that's just what I would like to define as faith. It's not staggering at the promises of God, not considering the things that are in the natural, but believing that if God promised it, he is completely able to perform the thing that he has promised. Amen? And so the word of faith, again, certainly brings the greatest of all blessings to the life of a hearer, and that is salvation, right? In Romans chapter number 10, we also alluded to last week that, that concerning faith, that we are saved, right, by grace through faith. In this context, I didn't mention it last week, but in this context here, it says the first thing in the work that faith produces in your heart and life is that you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, you literally, by the power of faith, you become an entirely different being. Did you know that? By the power of faith, the old you dies and a new you is born. Well, I could preach on that if I would. But that's the greatest work of faith in the heart and life of a believer. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Some translations say a new creation in Christ Jesus. Whereby faith, whereby faith, we know this, Old things pass away, and all things become new in Christ. What a powerful work of God's Holy Spirit. And then, by faith, we are brought into a covenant, and in this covenant, we learn of God's wonderful promises. Did you know that through Christ Jesus, all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and they are in Him, amen. In this journey of faith, we also learn this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The scripture says, Hebrews 11 and 6, helping you to understand what faith is. It says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For they that come unto God must do what? Must believe, comma, that he is, comma, and that he's a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. Not only, again, will, does your faith have to believe that he's God, but you also must believe that he's a rewarder. I believe God's a rewarder of those who that will diligently seek him. And some of the reward is on this side of eternity, but there is certainly the greatest reward is, on the, is in eternity. Amen? But I want to be guilty of, of living in the blessing of God. And when I say that, I want to be able, I, I, I addressed last week that there's an entire movement that's called the Word of Faith movement. And I'm attempting to not be critical of it, nor I'm necessarily, not necessarily commending it either. I'm just kind of, just being in the middle somewhere there. But I also want to say this, that when I use the term blessing or favor or grace, it's not all related to material blessing. It's not all related to just financial blessing. I've said it before, Abraham was a blessed man. He lived in a tent without air conditioning. So with this, as we begin to go into this journey just very, very quickly, I want to share with you a scripture related to faith that I think bears 
mentioning today. As a matter of fact, it's part of where I'm at in my heart as I, as I search this out. And the, the first part of this verse is a little tough, and I, won't, I can't go into all of its context, but the statement that I want you to see is the last statement. It's of the 23rd verse of the 14th chapter of the book of Romans again, and it speaks on faith. And he that doubteth is damned or condemned if he eat, which I, I really can't develop that. I may allude to it briefly, but because he eateth not of faith. But catch the wording of the apostle here for a moment. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever, if you can really get that in your heart, that the Spirit of God is writing on your heart that whatsoever is not of faith in your life is sin to you. Let me go a little bit farther because I don't know if you're catching that. Every part of your person, once you realize of this dynamic work of grace that's revealed faith in your heart and life, the word of faith that's in your heart and in your life is expressed. That faith is then expressed in every part of your life. Not just church, not just religion, if you will, not just uh, the people that you commune with or fellowship with, but in every decision that you make, faith should be the driving force. Are you out there today? Your job, young adult, your career, when you are thinking, some of you are on the edge, some of our young students are on the edge of college, you know, when they're thinking about where they're going to go to school, what the career that they might be led to. I want you to know today, it must be driven by faith. Every part of your being, every, every decision that you make, when you're, who you're going to date, who you might potentially marry, it should be reflection of your faith. Right, it shouldn't just be an instinctive response in the natural realm because how many of you know that the natural, your physical, your physical desires and, and such will get you in trouble? So every part of you whatsoever, the simple context of Romans 14 is whether you eat or drink or whether you choose not to eat or drink, it all must be a faith. My walk, my talk, my obedience to the Word of God. Are you out there? Even the simple things of entertainment choices. My faith must be reflected. Are you, I, I feel like I'm preaching way in front of you already today. Usually it's about halfway in. I feel like I'm starting out so far in front of you today. Church family, I'm telling you, this is more than just a sermon series. This is the, the harboring of unbelief, sin and unbelief in our heart and life. It's time to confront it by the word of faith so that we live by faith. We walk in faith. And again, we talk in faith because it's a reflection of what's in our heart. Did you know Jesus said this? He said, from the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. And if there's not faith active in your heart, your mouth's not going to speak it. And so with this, let's go a little bit farther. I want to begin to take you somewhere in just a moment. Last week, we went back to the beginning. The word of faith was, let's go back to the beginning. And we went to Abraham, to, to Jacob, and to, or to Isaac and to Jacob. But we ended, we kind of landed with Moses. And we're going to pick that narrative up here in just a moment of time. Because I want to say this. Once you receive the word of faith and you begin to align your hope with that word of faith, including your confession and your personal walk and identity, you can rest assured that there's going to be resistance to the word of faith. And I want to go ahead and in a little while, I'm going to really expound on that. But I think we begin to see this in this narrative. But I wrote a question here that I want to ask you. Are you prepared for pushback? Are you prepared that when this faith is getting enrooted in your heart and you begin to speak it, are you prepared for pushback? Because let me tell you, if you're not... You're at a precarious place that you can find yourself, that you can, be, you can be overwhelmed by the pushback if you don't know it's coming. So I came along to tell you it's coming. I know that's why you're not shouting well me down right now, but that's all right. I'm going to pick up the story. I want to pick up the story in Exodus chapter number four. This is where we closed off last week. We closed off last week at the end of the Word of Faith Conference. The very first Word of Faith Conference was held in the good land of Goshen. As the, as the patriarch of Moses had been on the backside of the Midian Desert where God had appeared to him miraculously with supernatural signs and wonders, and he has been led by the Spirit of God from Midian back to Egypt where he has met by his brother Aaron. And there, when they called the very first Word of Faith conference together, as I exu uh, uh, expounded to you last week, and Moses 
uh, had shared with Aaron what God had done in his heart and life, and yet Moses felt like he was slow of tongue and did not have the ability to be the main keynote speaker at the conference. He was the overseer of the conference, but he was not the keynote speaker. And so the keynote speaker was A.A. Ron, and A.A. Ron brought a powerful word to the people of Israel, to the Hebrew culture. And I can only imagine, because it ended, we ended with this. The verse of Scripture there in the uh, fourth chapter of the book of Exodus says, And the people believed. And the people believed. And in my heart and mind, I can imagine... There was a little bit of a time from the time that they believed until Moses and Aaron would actually get an appointment to go before Pharaoh. And I can imagine that the merchandising of the word of faith had already taken place. It already began to take place. I'm sure that when that conference concluded that they were already printing wristbands that said 400 years. I'm sure that before that, before Moses and Aaron would actually make their way to Pharaoh's court, that, that there was T-shirts that were printed that said, We leaving." All throughout the land of Goshen, you're seeing T-shirts appear. People coming out of their houses, little children. We leave it, passing the word. Uh, from there, coffee mugs are printed that says Hebrews. <laughs> I got one better. Hebrews with milk and honey. Come on now. All right. And then the, my, favorite, my favorite is as the people were going every day back to the kiln to work, to make bricks, to build Egypt, but they had hope in their heart. Remember this. That's how we concluded. They had hope now in their heart. I can imagine how, what they felt when that big billboard is being uh, unveiled right there in the land of Goshen before they're going into uh, the, the, the cities of Egypt to build uh, you know, Pharaoh's cities. As it's unscrolled, there are two dapper men there. It's Aaron and Moses. And they're standing there looking, and it says, got Moses. It's on then. It's on. The word of faith. Because that's what we do in our culture today. We merchandise our faith. And we think that just because we have a wristband or we've got it on a T-shirt, that that's somehow the word of faith. Let me tell you, the word of faith is not out here. The word of faith is in here. It must be in your heart. It must be a reflection of a divine, supernatural work of the Spirit of the living God in the heart and the life of a believer. The word of faith that we preach. I want you to know today there's going to be pushback. I just don't know that everybody's ready for it, especially when you're fresh off the conference. The enemy, life, whatever you want to call it, the enemy, the adversary, life, circumstances, even other believers, it doesn't take long. This, I call it a day one disaster, a day one disaster. And it's in the fifth chapter of the book of Exodus that we're just going to allude to just very, very quickly. And, uh, and, and I may read part of it. I may glean through part of it. It's a day one disaster. Um, I'm telling you, and, and this, this, can, this, this narrative can be, you can, this journey can be looked at through different lenses. You can look at it through the lens of Moses and Aaron. You can look at it through the lens of the Hebrew people uh, to, try, to try to identify with it very quickly. But I want to kind of show you and, and remind you what took place. The people believed. The Bible says they believed. Following the Word of Faith conference, they believed. The Scripture plainly says they even bowed their heads in reverence to God and worshipped God for the Word of Faith that they had heard, that God had heard their cry. And so perhaps there's some time from the moment that the Word of Faith conference concludes to Aaron and Moses are given their opportunity to go in before Pharaoh. And when that day occurs, we don't really know what it was like. What it was like for especially, Aaron probably has never been there previously. But if you understand about Moses, Moses was an Egyptian prince, right? Though he was a Hebrew. And it's very possible when those doors swung open to Pharaoh's palace or to where, where he would meet the throne room, wherever they met, wherever it was, we, we don't really know. We can only speculate. Did Pharaoh know Moses? Was he of similar age? Had they been raised up together as Egyptian princes only for Moses to flee to the backside of the Midian desert? Or, or was he a, is he a young Pharaoh who remembers the story told of Moses? Or perhaps the Egyptians had tried, tried to eradicate in the entire knowledge of Moses. So, so we really don't know. But when those doors swung open, I can imagine that, 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 that the blood pressure of both of those men began to rise and their hearts began to beat. Because did you know that Pharaoh was considered to the Egyptian people a living deity? 
<laughs> Did you know he was considered to be the bright and the morning star? The very thing in words that you and I use to think about our God, that he's the bright and the morning star, that the Egyptian people viewed that whether he was a young man or an aged man that was seated there on the throne of Egypt, that he was the bright and morning star. But the narrative unfolds and Moses does exactly what the Lord had told him to do when he was in Midian. He comes to Pharaoh and he says, The God of our fathers, the God of our fathers has met with us, the Lord God of Israel, and he is telling you to let my people go. I don't know if Moses pointed his finger. I know he's probably not even the one speaking, but in my mind I could see him. He's probably whispering to Aaron, and Aaron is actually the mouthpiece to Pharaoh. He says, the Lord God of Israel. And so what is Moses doing? Moses is speaking the word of faith. He's speaking the word of faith. God told him to say this, and he's saying it. And remember what Jesus said? Jesus said that when you will say to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, that the mountain's going to move. But you're going to be surprised in this moment that Moses speaks the word of faith and the mountain doesn't move. And it's in those moments of time, it's been my observation that that's when a lot of us get, get kind of knocked off course just a little bit. And, and so actually, if you'll look at it a little bit deeper, when he hears this, it's just a simple statement that Moses makes in the second verse there of Exodus chapter number 5, but uh, that by, by repeating that the God of the Hebrews has met with us and we need a three-day journey into the wilderness unless he's going to fall on us with pestilence or with sword, that the king of Egypt perhaps rises up off of his throne and he says to Moses and to Aaron, he says, what are you saying? What are you saying that let my people go? You're keeping them away from your burdens. As a matter of fact, wait a, just a minute, he said this. He said, I don't even know the Lord. Who is the Lord? He said, I, I don't even know about this God. I've got a pantheon of gods. Egypt worshipped at least 10 different gods that they believed to be on the same scale. Now, they would learn that their gods were not on the same scale as the one true God. But at that moment of time, Pharaoh in his heart and mind believed that any of his 10 gods had the equivalent power of this unknown Hebrew God. At least, at least, I'm sure in his mind, we have an image of our God. You don't even have an image of your God and so he said, I don't even know the Lord. And he said, and I'm not going to let the people go. And you're keeping them away from your burdens. And he said, as a matter of fact, he then turned to his taskmasters. And he said this. He said, we're going to do something. He said, we're going to take away the straw. We're going to take away the straw from those that are laboring to produce bricks. And he said, yet the quota. That's a rooster crowing in here today. You know, Peter heard a rooster crow, and he got right with God. I hope somebody else does here today. Come on, somebody. Let's fix that real quickly. Um, and so with that, with it very quickly in this context, I want, I want you to see for just a moment. Here's a phrase that I'm going to come back to in concluding this sermon. It's found in Jesus' own words. Affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. Affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. I actually thought that was somebody's phone. That was a child. Sorry, Natalie, I didn't know it was a child. From my ear up here, it sounded like a rooster crowing. And I know that some people have that on their phone. <laughs> oh, bless my heart. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm going to have to really catch up now, line myself back up. Let me go ahead and pick up this statement, though. This is very important. I want to speak this related to the word of faith. Here's what Jesus said. He said, affliction or persecution will arise for the word's sake. I want you to hear that. It arises. Sun come up, trials, tribulations. So not only did the mountain not move, let me tell you what it did. It began to fight back. <laughs> the mountain didn't just move, but it said, I'm going to flex my muscles right back at you. And so Pharaoh quickly schemes this rebuttal, commanding the taskmasters to take away the straw to make bricks, and yet the quota of bricks cannot diminish. But listen to the ninth verse, the fifth chapter, ninth verse of what he thought. Here's what he thought about the word of faith that was in the heart and mouth of Moses and Aaron. He said, they're vain words. So we've trained you to speak the word of faith, but I don't know if we've trained you how to respond when people hear what you're professing by faith and when they label what you're saying as vain words. Are you out there today? As vain words. 
And, and so I, I don't know that we in, in the Pentecostal charismatic slash word of faith movement have, have, really, have really conditioned you to know that, that there's going to be pushback. And so as this begins to unfold in this narrative, they go out, and I saw this, so they immediately go out, the task pastors do, and they, and they share, and they speak to the officers of the people, and he said, Pharaoh now, thus saith Pharaoh. Before Moses, thus saith the Lord. Now it's thus saith Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, get every brick. Don't let the quota fail, but we're not going to give you a straw. And remember this, we're going to give you any straw. Remember, a few days earlier, the people were gathered together as a Word of Faith conference. It was wonderful. There was unity in the good land of Goshen. But now the writing says that the people are scattered. They're scattered everywhere in frustration and in fear to gather up straw to make their quota of bricks. And after at least two days' time, at least two days' time, they come back together and the taskmasters then say, Where have you, where's your quota of bricks? You haven't met your quota of bricks. And you know what they did? They called for the officers of the people of Israel out from the people of Israel and they beat them publicly in order to elicit fear in the hearts of the Hebrews. <laughs> so now again, let me say it one more time. Not only is the mountain not moving, but the mountain is fighting back. And, and I'm telling why am I saying, I'll, I'll get there in just a little while. Let me stay on the narrative for just a moment. And so the, the, the officers, once they're beaten by the taskmasters, they demand an appointment with Pharaoh, and they come in before Pharaoh, and they say, Pharaoh, he said, there's no straw given unto us. Why are you dealing this way with your servants? You're saying, make bricks. We can't make bricks. We can't be in all places. We can't gather straw and still make bricks. But Pharaoh's response to those officers was this, you're idle, you're idle. And you're speaking all this word of faith, all this word of faith, all this word of faith. You're saying all this word of faith. Uh, and he said, but, but, but you're, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to make bricks. You're going to work. And there's not going to be any straw given to you. So they didn't move the heart of Pharaoh whatsoever with their backs lacerated from the whips of the taskmasters. And so the people are broken. And they walk out of Pharaoh's court. And there's Pastor Moses and Pastor Aaron standing in the corner. <laughs> the Word of Faith Conference now feels like a hundred years ago. And this is how swift, quickly things can shift in your heart. Because now they see the source of their problem is not Pharaoh. The source of their problem is Moses. That's a powerful moment, church family. Let me tell you, it gets repeated over and over again in the kingdom of God. And so look what they said. They said, this is the 20th verse. They say, may the Lord look upon you, 21st verse. May the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made us stinking or abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh. It's your fault that Pharaoh is going to slay us. So let's stop right there. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's evaluate where we are. We had a burning bush a supernatural appearance. The God of Abraham appeared to Moses and sent him from the Midian desert with signs and wonders, validated the prophetic word that he had spoken to Abraham, that he had heard the cry of the people in their bondage in Egypt, and he was come down to deliver them. And there's been a word of faith conference, and the people have believed because they had seen the signs, those signs that Moses experienced in Midian had been repeated in front of the people. They had taken the staff and cast it on the ground. Moses or Aaron would have picked it back up. It became a staff again. Moses had put his hand in his cloth or his cloak and pulled it back out, and it was leprous. He put it back in, brought it back out. It was made white and whole, and the people are believing, and they're rejoicing. And so now Moses and Aaron have gone in before Pharaoh. A demand has been made based upon the word of faith. Let my people go, that they may sacrifice unto me in the wilderness. But the mountain does not move. The people receive persecution and oppression, and they scatter. They're now ridiculed, and they turn their source of blame to the man that brought them the word of faith. Moses and Aaron. And Moses begins to struggle under the weight of this. Look at his prayer. We read people's prayers in scriptures all the time. But look what Moses, the 22nd verse. Here's Moses' prayer. Lord, verse 22, why, why, why have you brought evil on this people? Even Moses is wavering in that moment of time for he sees Pharaoh's response as of the divine hand of God. He said, why have you brought evil upon this people? And then he begins to question his own call. 
And I've found myself there many times when I don't see the things that I hope for or long for or the things that I preached or taught. And Moses is wavering right there. And he's saying, why, why, why have you even sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak, it's gone from bad to worse. It's gone from a, a moment where we had a little bit of hope, but now the people are scattered. And the people that had bowed their head and said, I believe God are now blaming me and saying, why hast thou sent me? So you and I, let me just say this to you on a personal basis. If we can extract something from that, you and I must fully understand and anticipate, even anticipate that there will be challenges to the hope and the faith that you profess. Let me say it again. I want to say it. I want you to catch that. You and I have to fully understand and even anticipate there are going to be challenges to the hope that you now possess as a result of the word of faith that is in your heart and will soon be in your mouth. There will be ridicule, there will be opposition, there will be even this, withstanding. There will be people that will withstand you. In Acts chapter number 13, the Bible says, Eliamus the sorcerer withstood the apostle. 2 Timothy 3 and 8, the scripture says, Janice and Jambres, that was the Egyptian magicians, that I'm not going into what happened with them today, next week, maybe in a little bit. They withstood Moses. Paul then uses that as an example to the men of his day. He said, these are ones that resist the truth. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, and he says, Alexander the coppersmith greatly withstood our words. Just because you have a word of faith, just because you have an encounter with God at a burning bush does not mean there's, there's not going to be opposition in your life. Doesn't mean there's not going to be trial or temptation or persecution or ridicule or you're not going to have to face things that are being said about you that are either wrong or perhaps are even right. We live in a generation of mockers, blasphemers who will attack you with ridicule. They'll attack you socially. They'll attack you culturally. They'll go on Facebook to tear you down and even religiously. There are people that have a similar like faith as yours, but when you begin to move to that degree, you're saying, I'm going to trust God for something great in my life. They will be the first person to come and to confront the faith that's in your heart with unbelief. And so our faith, our word of faith that we believe, it must be able to endure. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. And so let me go a little bit farther. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and 4, 4, excuse me, we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and in all your tribulations that you endure. Let me go ahead and tell you, just because you're in enduring tribulation and persecution does not mean that you are not walking in faith. I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we have spun that so in this word of faith context that if anybody's going through a difficult time in their life, it's not because, it must be because they're not exercising faith. No, I'll tell you what, you can be walking in faith, talking in faith, exercising faith, and all hell is breaking out against you because the persecutions and afflictions come for the word's sake. Let me go farther than this. It says this in, in Jesus in, in Luke chapter number 8 and then also 2 Timothy 3 and 11. Paul said this, what persecutions I endured. And you're going to have to endure as well. The mountain was spoken to, but the mountain did not initially move. And many of us get knocked off of our pedestal of faith. The people of Israel tragically did. Moses prayed to God on behalf of the people. Moses himself was struggling. Here's what I'm going to show you just for a minute about God for a moment. I'm going to make it personal, and I'm not going to preach this long. I promise you that. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> somebody's, yeah. All right, well, stay with me. Moses prays to God on behalf of the people. That's the transition from the end of the fifth chapter to the sixth chapter. And I'm not going to go into the sixth chapter, but I'm going to tell you what takes place in that sixth chapter. So after Moses makes that Full of faith prayer. Here's Moses' full of faith prayer. God, you hadn't done anything you said you'd do. Can you all identify with that for just a moment of time? I know you look very religious in here today and very full of faith, but I know God's heard all your prayers. God said, I haven't heard all your prayers because when we ask you to pray, you don't pray like that. But I know all, but the Lord has heard all your prayers. And Moses prayed a prayer like, God, everything I came to do that hasn't been done. And you said you were going to do it. And you said Pharaoh was going to let the people go. And he said, matter of fact, I don't know that they're planning on stoning me. But I'm telling you what, they were tearing the banner down, got Moses. They were tearing it down. They were tearing it down very, very quickly. Everybody was putting the wristbands up. The T-shirts were put up and put back in the corner. And so Moses has a point of frustration. But here's something I want you to tell you about God for just a moment. When God heard the prayer of Moses, it's a, it's a pessimistic prayer. 
It's a prayer that's seeking for God to pacify him. But let me tell you about God. God doesn't pacify us in our unbelief. I just tell you right now, God won't. The only thing that moves God is faith. Right? The only thing that moves God. And so let me tell you what God did, what God told Moses. Number one, he did this. He reaffirmed his covenant promise. That's what he did. He He did not adjust what he had said to the present situation. He just reminded Moses, Moses, I heard the people's cry. I remember the prophetic word that I made to Abraham, and I'm come down to deliver the people. And if I said it, I'm going to fulfill my word. I'm going to bring them out that I might bring them in. It doesn't matter what Pharaoh says. Pharaoh's word is not the final word. My word is the final word. So I want you to know today, in the mountain doesn't move, and don't change your profession because God has not changed his. That's why the writer said, hold fast to your profession of faith without wavering. Be steadfast. Hold fast to what you believe. Come on, somebody. And number two, number two, real quickly, I love this. God said, by the way, let me just tell you a little bit. I want to reveal myself to you just a little bit more. Because it would unfold to the people of Israel in the days ahead. He said, up until this time when I met with the people of, uh, people of God, when he said, I, I revealed myself to Abraham by my name, El God Shaddai Almighty. I'm El Shaddai Almighty. He said, but from henceforth, I'm going to reveal myself by my name. We kind of get the transliteration of it, and it's Yahweh or Jehovah. And it becomes revealed later to us as the compound names of God, as we see Jehovah Nisi or Jehovah Tiskanu or Jehovah Shalom. We won't go into all of that. But what it was, it was making God much more personal to the people. He's not just El. He's not just a deity He's not just the Almighty. If you read the King James English, God actually says in this context, most likely added by the translator, but I love this. He said, I am the Lord, your God. (laughs) I am the Lord. I am Jehovah, your God. Is he your God today? That'll give you confidence when the mountain doesn't move. Is that God is still your God, and you're going to trust the Lord to do exactly what he said amen so even when in those situations of life God is faithful so tragically though tragically Moses Moses is convinced from God dealing with him but the ninth verse of the sixth chapter here's what it says Moses spoke to the children of Israel everything that God had said to him but they hearkened not unto Moses That's how quickly unbelief came in. As a result, as a result of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage, unbelief, Moses himself struggled, but the word of faith encouraged him enough to continue to speak the word of faith. But the people now, the people are hovering in unbelief. Let me tell you this about God, though, but God is faithful. He's so faithful. He was so much bigger than we are, church family, so much broader, so much deeper, so much greater than we can even think or imagine in our heart. Did you know that the writer Paul said this? If you believe not, yet God will abide faithful. He will not deny himself. I thank God for that today. So here's something I want to do as I start my conclusion, surprisingly to you, that I'm true to my word. I want to turn to a passage of Scripture, and I want to see what can we do with this. What's the word of faith for you today? We're going to get there. Let's go to Romans again. Let's go to the 15th chapter, book of Romans, for one verse of Scripture. So what what do we do with this? Pastor Brown, why are you taking me into this narrative of Moses and the children of Israel? Because whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning, that you, through patience and comfort, of the scriptures, you might have hope. Now, listen, uh, that verse of scripture is worth reading again, isn't it? So, for two weeks now, I've done my very best to preach in an animated context, in an animated way in front of you, even using A.A. Ron and trying to be, you know, descriptive and to try to use, if I have any type of gifting in that area, so that there's a visual, vivid image of your mind, in your mind of Pharaoh and of Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel and banners and wristbands and we leaving and all the hype. And yet how quickly unbelief came in and and permeated the hearts of the people. I've I've brought you here. Why? Because I wanted you to see all of that was written for you. 
for you that have received the word of faith that you have to know. What do you have to know? You have to know that this real quickly. You have to know, number one, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be pushback just because you responded to the altar call, just because you suddenly have a dream that you believe is from God, just because that you have prayed and God has revealed something in His Word about Himself, and it's a promise that you believe God is making towards you, and you begin to think about it and ponder it, does not mean that there's not going to be pushback, that there's not going to be persecution or affliction. As a matter of fact, it arises, as I've said, for the Word's sake. Number one, persecution. Number two, you need to hold fast to your profession of faith. God didn't change his profession, neither should you. Amen. Right? If you're professing faith and it's coming from your heart, then you need to hold fast to your profession of faith. But number three, and this is where I'm going to camp to close, but you've got to have patience. Yeah. Oh, one good amen amongst 180 people. Patience. You've got to wait on the Lord. You got to learn to wait on the Lord. I know you want it right now. I know you want the mountain to move overnight. But let me tell you, sometimes you got to wait on the Lord and trust in the Lord. And we're going to kind of uh, develop this to close with today. I feel today in my heart that the faith of some under the sound of my voice has been strained. Persecution has risen against you, and you're staggering like the children of Israel. And God reaffirmed Moses and sent Moses again to speak to the people, but tragically the people hearkened not to his sermon. And I hope that's not you. I hope that you don't hearken, that you fail, that, that, you, that you don't hear what I'm saying, what the Spirit is saying. Not what I say, but what's the Spirit saying to you today? Let the word of faith in my heart and mind kindle or stir up the word of faith in you. Let deep call out to deep today. Are you going through persecution then you need patience and you need to hold fast to your profession. Particularly to today, here is what I believe the word of faith is for our church family. As I turn to my last page of notes, patience. Pastor Brown, I know you're thinking, Pastor Brown, I, I, you temper me in patience every week when I endure your hour-long sermon. I understand that. But this is bigger than that. It's far bigger. Let me, let me take you on a little bit of, take you just a little bit deeper. This is what I want you to walk out of here with today. That the word of faith for your heart today is patience. You got to trust God. There's some things that you, you, you have no ability to alter it. You have to just simply say, I spoke the word of faith and I'm going to trust the Lord. Are you out there? In that, in that passage where I quoted and I said, Jesus said this. Y'all remember that? And I, I mean, no, Jesus is the word. One of the, if not, the greatest of his parables is the parable of the sower. And three gospel writers recorded the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all recorded, it, but they recorded it a little bit differently. Those are four different types of soil that the seed is sown on that comparable to the human heart, right? And there's one in particular, the one I was alluding to, which is called stony ground. And it's called stony ground, and then in the narrative is this, is that when the seed fell on the stony ground, it sprang up quickly because it had no depth of earth. But then it says to us, though, it says in that, in that persecution arose. Uh, persecution, and, and, and he used the analogy of the sun scorched it, or the wind blew it, and, and it had no depth of earth, and so therefore it was not fruitful. Again, Mark's gospel reads it this way, affliction or persecution arose for the word's sake. So Luke 8 and 13, here's how Luke re records it. They on the rock are they, which when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But they have no root, and for a while they believe, but in time of temptation they fall away. They succumb to the pressure. They succumb to Pharaoh saying, you're just speaking vain words. It's not really real. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing, there's not going to be any change worked in your life or your family or your children or your own body or your health or whatever you're speaking the word of faith over. But I want to read Luke 8 and 15 to you just real quickly. And I didn't give them these scriptures because I might want you looking here instead of there. But in Luke 8 and 15, here's what Jesus said. But those on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart, here's what they did, they heard the word and they keep it. Are you keeping the word? Listen, and they bring forth fruit with patience. It's not going to happen sometimes overnight. Sometimes it will. I can't say that every time. Sometimes there's instantaneous response to the word of faith. 
but not always. Are you out there today? Let's go a little bit farther today. Romans 5 and 13 says this. This is the word I'm closing with today. This is what I'm putting in your heart. This is the word of faith. And not only so, Paul writes, but we glory in tribulation. (laughs) Who does that? I want to see your hand. Come on, when, when you lose your job or when persecution happens or people are talking about you or people misconstrue what you said and then they then say something back to you and you find yourself in a season of tribulation. The writer of the apostle says this, glory in tribulation because tribulation is going to work something in your heart. It's going to work patience because you're going to have to wait on God. You're going to have to find his will in this matter. You're going to have to trust and say, I want to see where God's at in this. You know what? God was going to deliver Israel, but God wasn't through with Egypt as of yet. Right? And and, and so so let me go back to that just for a moment of time, because that's going to be part of the sermon in the days ahead. God was going to fulfill his good word, but God was going to bring the fullness of revelation to the Egyptian people, that their worship of those pantheon, those plurality of gods, was false idolatry, and there was a one true God that ruled and reigned in heaven. And they were going to be confronted with the one true gospel. But the the Scripture said they were going to have to learn this over a period of time, patience. So we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation is going to work patience, but patience is going to give you something. It's going to give you experience. And then when you got the experience, guess what? you got hope. Because once you get the experience, here's what you say. You say, listen, God did it before. And if God did it before, he'll do it again. And so you learn to just trust in the Lord and not fret, not worry, not be anxious and say, I don't know exactly when God's going to do it. I know he's working all things out for my good and for his glory. I don't have to make the mountain move. All i got to do is sit back and trust in the supernatural power of an omnipotent God who will fulfill his good word if I'll but wait on him. Glory to God. With patience, patience, patience. Romans 8 and 25, for we hope for that which we see not, but with patience we wait for it. Daryl joins me on the platform today, if he will. But let me tell you about patience real quickly. Let me just separate it from something in your mind. Patience is more than just waiting. Because you can wait in unbelief. You can sit there and be aggravated, frustrated, saying things, murmuring. Israel learned to wait, but tragically, they didn't learn to wait without murmuring. We don't hear every word of faith that you say, but God does. So let me, let me, let me take you further into that just for a moment. Let me tell you. So, Pastor, so what is patience? Patience is a work of grace in your heart. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It's even akin to long-suffering is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't produce it in you. Christ, by His Spirit, must produce it in your heart and life. Right? I can't just have mentally ascend to patience. Like, mm, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be patient, I'm be patient, I'm be patient. No, the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of the living God must produce patience in my heart and life. And so I petition God for it. Father God, I believe I need you to work of grace in my heart and life, patience. Patience is this. Patience means to be steadfast, immovable. Some translations, instead of putting patience, put endure, endurance. And here's what I believe it is. I believe that in your waiting, you're still anticipating. Come on now, can I say that again? In your waiting, you are anticipating the fulfillment. Go ahead and put your wristband back on. 400 years. Get the t-shirt back out. We leaving. Come on, somebody. It may not happen just yet, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. And so, listen, during this time of waiting, you know what you are? You conform your life to the will of God. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Because you can wait in unbelief. But if you'll wait in faith, trusting the Lord, believing God, holding fast to your profession of faith. If, you, if, the, if the enemy comes out, and Pharaoh comes out and puts that burden on you, you know what you got to do? You just got to simply go make bricks. If you got to go dig for straw, go for straw. If you got to have enough straw and make bricks, then you call upon the God of heaven and say, God, I got to have you miraculously bring me some straw, right? Because I got a quota I got to meet because you're going to bring me out, but it's not there yet, but I'm waiting on you. So God will do things 
if we'll trust him with patience. Here's my last two verses of scripture real quickly. Count it all joy. Man, if I had somebody on the organ right there, I could really bear down on that. Mm, Daryl, can you do that? Is there a Daryl in you in there somewhere? Count it all joy when you fall into many temptations. It went from, it was glorying in your temptations. Now count it all joy when you have many temptations. Isn't that a difficult one concerning the word of faith? Why? Because the trying of your faith will work patience. It will work patience. But you got to do this. Here's the tipping point. But let patience have her perfect work. Let it work in you. Let God work in you. I'll tell you what, you'll sleep a lot better at night. Because when you have patience, you don't fret. Come on, when you sleep, uh, when you sleep at night, you know, when Jesus told the disciples, he said, let's go to the other side. You remember the story how he's asleep at the bow of the ship, and they're frantic because the water's coming in. In one sense, his faith was, could be viewed as patience. He said, we're going over to the other side. And if he said, we're going over to the other side, we're going over to the other side. I don't care how much water comes in. If, if, it doesn't matter. How much water comes in the boat, then we'll have the first submarine. But we're somehow going to the other side. God, if God said it, he's going to perform it. Then, then just rest in him. Right? Just rest and trust in the Lord. Believe. Be obedient. Do what you can do. Be faithful to God. Ask God to keep reproving your heart. Right? Don't let things get in your mind. When they do, pull them down quickly. Come on. Amen. Here's the word of faith to you. Faith and patience inherits the promises. And the writer of Hebrews said, for you have need of patience. How many of you can say, that's me today? I have need of patience that after I've done the will of God, I might receive the promises. The word of faith. The word of faith. The word of faith is more complicated than just simply catching a little phrase and speaking it, hoping that you're going to see what you hope for. How I many you know that God works sovereignly? He will work in you, but as I've said to you many times, He will work through you. And your circumstance that you're going through, Sister Kathy, Sherry and I saw her on Tuesday. She was let out of the hospital on Friday. It was 17 days. We were there on the 14th day. She sat on the edge of the bed. And here's the scripture that she was quoting. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But out of them all, the Lord shall deliver me. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We have to trust God, church family. We need His grace. The most famous of all texts of Scripture related to the word of faith is Mark 11. Jesus speaks that word the day following when He, when he cursed the fig tree. Anybody remember that? There's a much bigger picture that we don't even go into, and I'm not going into today. But I want you to see this. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree and he turned and walked away, the fig tree was still just as green as it was as when he spoke to it. But he believed that what he said would come to pass. And he walked away. I encourage you in Jesus' name. If we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to be people of faith, listen to this. Sometimes you have to embrace persecution. I, it could be whatever word you want to use, temptation, trial, persecution, pushback, withstanding, whatever. The enemy can use anybody's situation or whatever to, to come to, to, what does it say? It comes for the word's sake, doesn't it? Doesn't it what the scripture says? It comes, persecution and affliction comes for what? The word of faith, it comes. If he can take it out of your heart, he's going to take it out of your heart. He will. So you got to brace, you got to be prepared for persecution. Number two, church family, hold fast to your profession of faith. I'm not there today, but I'm going to teach you the power of what you say in the days ahead, right? Because out of the same fountain, we're speaking blessing and cursing. 
and, and we're creating competition in our words. But number three, the word of faith that I really felt in my heart today for you is patience. Not just for you, but for me, patience. Let's wait on the Lord. Let's trust in God. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed today. I don't know if I preached any shorter. It sounded good to say that. But I don't know that it matters. I really felt like the word was right today, church family. I believe even if you're a visitor here today, you could say, you know what? That was the word of faith. This is the word of faith. Patience. Let God work in your heart. Let the Spirit of the Lord work in you today. We're here to, you're here today. I want to give a twofold invitation, opportunity. Number one, I know I haven't necessarily preached a message about salvation, but any message is layered with salvation. I mentioned and referenced Jesus many times. The one that bled and died for you. Those who exhorted, exhorted Christ. Songs contained imagery, words about Christ, about his blood. We talked about it. Let me tell you, that blood was shed for you. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've believed in God. I know about God. But I don't know that I truly know him in that fellowship that you talked about. Early in the message, I talked about you could be made a new creation in Christ. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that would say, Pastor Brown, would you pray with me today that I would know Christ and the forgiveness of sin, the pardon of sins, and I could have fellowship through Christ? Is that you today? If that's you, slip your hand up. I'll pray with you today right where you are. Is there anyone under the sound of my voice? I'm waiting. Our church family is very patient. Thank you. Anyone else today? We're just praying. We're waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on Him today. Anyone? Secondly, as our heads are bowed, eyes closed for just a moment, I'm not trying to be religious by doing that. I'm just giving you an opportunity to ponder. I brought you the word of faith today. The word of faith is patience. I hope you don't think that I'm not saying the mountain's not going to move. If, if we believe, the mountain's going to move. But sometimes we have to wait on it. We have to wait on God's timing. We have to trust God during, during uncertain times while we're waiting on Him to fulfill His good word. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, I'm in need of patience, pray with me today. We'll pray a group closing prayer today. Slip your hand up. Have courage today. Have courage. Thank you. I'm seeing hands go up all over our congregation. All over our congregation today. Patience, patience, patience. Won't we stand up today and let's make God's house one big altar. One big altar. From there to there, from right here, we're just all going to pray one for the other. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to put our heart in agreement. Whether you come forward or not, I'm all good. It doesn't matter. We're going to make the whole house a house of prayer for a moment of time. We're going to pray one for the other, aren't we, church family? Come on, you know what you're in need of today? What did the writer tell you? You're in need of patience. We're in need of trusting God until we see the thing that we hope for. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Or maybe you don't want to bow your head. Maybe you want to just lift your eyes up toward heaven. I don't know. However you want to pray, you pray. But if you'll just join your heart with mine. I want to, I want to pray a prayer that, that, that we submit to the will of God. We long for the will of God. We search for it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've done my very best to, to preach to the people the word of faith. I brought to them, Father God, I hope a balance related to this doctrine that we're so desiring to learn more of, God. My Father, many people raise their hand, but if I'm going to be honest, every one of us should have had a hand in the air because we're all in need of patience. We're all in need of a supernatural work of your grace in our heart and life that trusts you even when things have yet to change. Even when we've spoken to the mountain, and the mountain not only hasn't moved, but the mountain's pushing back, and the mountain's fighting back. Are we going to be overwhelmed in unbelief like Israel, or are we going to wait on God? Father, I pray over the people today, God. Give them the very desire of their heart. Come on, y'all pray that with me today. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, would you work patience in my heart and life? 
by the unction of your spirit, God, with the fruit of long-suffering, the fruit of endurance, the power of patience be wrought in me, O God. Father, help each one of us today to learn to embrace the trial and embrace the temptation as an opportunity for patience to have her perfect work, that I might gain an experience in my heart and life that will produce hope in me. Father, that hope will not leave me ashamed, but it will cause the love of God to be spread abroad through our heart and mind. If I can say anything to the people today, if I can bless them, if there's any measure of the word of faith in my heart today to the people, to the people, I bless them with patience. I pray over them the word of faith, patience. I pray, God, that they will learn to trust in you. That, Father God, that they will learn to wait on the Lord. Come on, are y'all praying with me today? I just want this. We're closing this sermon today. We're closing this service. It's been a beautiful service of the supernatural presence of God, both in worship, exhortation, and in preaching. But, God, it will, if the people walk out of here and all they heard was a good word, but it doesn't, if it doesn't invoke and it doesn't release and it doesn't stir them to wait on you, to trust in you, God, then we've missed the mark entirely. Bring the people, God. Bring the people through the persecution, through the trial, God. And I pray, Lord, that patience will have her perfect work and they will be perfect and entire and they will lack nothing. And through faith and patience, they will. Come on now, they will inherit the promises. So I'm grateful today, Father. I'm grateful. I bless my church family with all the faith that's inside of me today. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's children said, come on somebody, amen. I'll ask you to do something. If you receive the word of faith, what's the word of faith today? Patience. Love somebody. Hug somebody. Let me remind you, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer to help.